Welcome to the Work Wonders Podcast, where we simplify HR for small business. I'm Angela. And I'm Susan. Let's dive into today's episode and see what you've been wondering about. Today, we're kicking off season two, a brand new season of our podcast. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about some of the questions that you've submitted to us to answer. Uh, And most of these questions have been about paying staff or recruiting staff. So let's dive right in and answer what you're wondering about. This is the Work Wonders Podcast. Hi, Angela. Hi, Susan. How are we going? Great. I'm so glad to be back to season two. Amazing, isn't it? (laughs) And thank you for joining us for another episode today. Absolutely. (laughs) Hope your week's going well. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to this episode. It's good to be able to interact and answer some questions. Absolutely. That uh, have come in. So the first one... I'm asking because I think you might be better at answering this one. Is there something you'd recommend that I put in my job ads to get the right person to apply? Ah, yes. I I wish I had a magic formula. Oh, (laughs) you mean you don't? Where I could say, you know, do this and do that and the right person will come knocking. Mm. But in terms of what you include in the text of your job ad, obviously it needs to be engaging. When it comes down to it, recruiting and advertising for a job is no different than advertising for anything else True. when we're marketing. So it does need to be engaging and relevant. And so with that in mind, my top tip would be to inject your own brand personality and your own culture into your advertisement. So what do I mean by that? I'm talking about, tell me what it's like to work for your business. Great. Yeah. What, what's this job going to achieve? Um, what am I there for? You know, what am I going to be contributing to? Uh, tell me more about that and I'll get a really good picture and be quite engaged and grab onto exactly why I want to work for you and no one else. And that way you're attracting the right person, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So uh, we've talked about this before too. You also need to be honest. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there's no point beating around the bush. Be upfront, you know, if that's the pay that you're offering, that's the pay you're offering. And if that's the hours, that's the hours. You know, you don't want to um, be spending your time clarifying that, you know. No, and in a way misleading people who may read into what you've put in the ad as, you know, making it something more than what the job actually is. Or less, as a case may yeah. be. <laughs> now, there's certain buzzwords that you see people use in mm-hmm. ads, like dynamic, high yes. energy. Well, with those two, what I think when I read that is this job's going to have to work really hard. Person, <laughs> this job's going to have to work really hard. So yeah. sometimes we might not necessarily be lying about the job, but we kind of sugarcoat it. Yeah, or even saying, you know, I want someone who um, is looking to start their career, but you need to have five years' experience. Oh, yes. You know, that sort of thing. Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? Really hard to, yeah, find that person. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I remember when I first, oh, when I was at uni, actually, looking at jobs for sandwich hands, which was a job back in the day. Uh, I'm not yes. sure if they still call it that, but the sandwich hand. Yeah. And they all needed experience. Does making a sandwich yourself count? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Surely it does. Surely it does. <laughs> so being realistic, I guess, about what you want yeah. and also what might be available 
out in the market. Yeah, absolutely. And when we say out in the market, we mean the labour market. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. A well-written job ad will stand out above all the rest, you know. If you only have to look on Seek or anything like that to understand that the jobs that are out there advertised right at the moment, there's so much more than there ever has been before. Mm. So the competition is fierce. True. So if your ad is written well, it's going to grab attention, you're already ahead of the game. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. we've given you a lot of things to think about when you're writing your job ad. Mm. <laughs> and of course, we're here to help if That's you need right. any help with that. Well, here's a question for you, Susan, our Uh-oh. next one. Yeah. <laughs> Where can I find employees? Yes, we're hearing this quite a bit, aren't we, at the moment? You know, there's skill shortages all over, across the board, across industries. So I think it's a matter of being a bit innovative in terms of looking. There's a lot of things that you and I would have recommended in the past that people may not have taken up because it seemed a bit different or Mm. a bit, you know, radical compared to writing a job ad and putting it in the paper or whatever we do these days. (laughs) Um, So things like talking to your networks. Absolutely. Especially if you're interested in recruiting a young person out of school, you know, talk to family and friends. They might know someone who's interested in doing whatever you're doing. Mm. Be prepared to talk about what you do in terms of the day-to-day of what you do and what your business does. An example that I'm quite close to is insurance brokers. Now, I was talking to an insurance broker recently who's been doing that for quite a while and I said, tell me, I bet you just fell into it. And she said, yes, I did. Uh, And every insurance broker I've spoken (laughs) to just about has fallen into being an insurance broker. It's not that they um, went through school thinking, I am going to be an insurance (laughs) broker. And there's lots of jobs like that. But if you talk about what you do, if you're an insurance broker and you love what you're doing, you can build that enthusiasm before you need to employ someone, if you know what I mean. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, get in before that and understanding the path to the careers that you're employing um, and getting ahead of that. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to also tell your current staff. So if you're not hiring your first person and you've already got some people there with you, Tell them about it. We're looking for this sort of a person. We've got a new role or this one's leaving so we need to replace them and get them to share the word. It's also quite special when you tell your staff because they're likely to know the right sort of people too because they know your culture. They know what it's like to work, work with you. There's a couple of other ways of finding staff that I've heard about people using lately. Okay. Uh, one is using Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Yep, so I do that myself. You do? Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, social media options around. Yeah. But if you're a member of a, a group on Facebook that's specific to the industry or the sort of work you do, it gives you an opportunity to not only promote what the job is that you have on offer, but to keep an eye on the sort of people who appear to have the interests or the skills or the values that you'd like to have in your business. Yeah, I heard a story of a a man, I'm going to forget what industry he was in, but it was something quite um, technical, maybe a a fitter or turner or something like Mm -hmm. that, I can't remember. But he was um, in some local Facebook groups for employment and he was participating and answering questions for people and, you know, just watching things go by. And when it came time when he was recruiting – he knew exactly who to go to. Yeah. And he was in that group talking to particular people that he'd built relationships with 
because they were the sort of people for him. Yeah. And um, I can tell you what, it saved him a lot of money. Well, <laughs> yeah, that way. exactly, it would. Yeah. Another example from social media is approaching someone directly, mm. say through LinkedIn. It's relatively easy to find people on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. particularly if you're in the professions. And you can find people that you're connected to or are connected to people you're connected to or work for mm. your competitors. Again, there's, um, there's time involved. Yeah. What we're saying is you, in this environment, you really need to be more proactive. Yeah, absolutely. So having said all that, there's still you know, a space for advertising and most people are oh, yeah. going to advertise when they have a vacancy. So one of the other questions that we got was from someone who's saying, when I advertise a job, I get so many applications for people who don't have what I'm asking for, yeah. don't answer the phone when I call them, or they don't even live in Australia. Oh, yeah. It takes up so much of my time. Mm. So how do I stop that? Oh, gosh, that's a really common one, isn't it? Oh, unfortunately. Unfortunately, we can't always get away from it. Um, it's so easy in this day and age for people to apply for a job. They could be sitting on the couch at night in front of the TV with their phone and just scrolling through and just click, yep, apply, apply, apply. And that's all they need to do. Gone are the days where they have to submit, you know, (laughs) pages and pages of information. So that's sort of what we're up against. So all that stuff we've talked about around making sure that you inject your personality and your culture into the advertisement and being really open and honest about what the job is about, mm-hmm. that's, um, that's something that will go towards driving away the wrong people. Sure. Um, but be mindful of where you're advertising. There are particular websites that are a little bit more aimed at people anywhere in the world mm-hmm. rather than you know specific locations or specific industries even. So be really cautious about where you put that mm. um, so that you're yeah not inviting applications from the wrong sort of people as well. Good. And so suppose I do all that but I still end up with way too many mm-hmm. uh, unsuitable applicants. Yep. I guess the most important thing there is to have a clear idea of what it was I was looking for in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, Not get distracted by um, people who may be interesting for other reasons. Yes. And being happy to cull, Oh, yeah. So would you recommend people using application forms? I would, yeah. 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 I think absolutely. It doesn't need to be too bigger deal does it? No and it might just be multiple choice questions Mm. you know something in fact I think something like Seek Even does it so you can oh that's true you can have you know what's your right to work in Australia oh how many years of experience yeah yeah 10 15 yeah or do you have a first aid certificate or um so those sorts of things can help to make your job easier because you're looking at the same little questionnaire results every time rather than having to read through pages and pages of different resumes exactly so that does make it easier Mm. to cut them out yeah um then if we go further into the process do you recommend telephone screening absolutely yeah Absolutely. And look, it's surprising how many people don't always answer their phone. That can be really frustrating. Well, that can be a screening thing in itself. It can be. I guess if they're at work, though, they're not going to answer the phone. Oh, true, true. Sometimes email, just let them know you want to reach out and Mm -hmm. find a time to talk to them. But yeah, absolutely. I think it's really great to have that initial chat with someone Mm. and see that there's a match, see that it's worth you then pursuing them for, you know, more of your time to interview or or so on. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot that you can do to cut down... The time and the effort that you put into finding the right person. Yeah. 
Are you enjoying the Work Wonders podcast? We started it to help people just like you. If you have questions, please send them through via our website and we'll make sure we cover them in future episodes. Well, I've got another question for you here, Angela, sure. about casuals. Uh-huh. So this question is, I employ casuals, but I call them part-time. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Is there any difference between casuals oh, and part-time? Yeah. yeah, I've heard that one before, um, especially where you've got casuals that do sort of regular shifts or a regular sort of day or week, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, in terms of employment law, we've got very clear um, boundaries around what they are. So our full-timers is someone working generally 38 hours, depending on your award, and anything less than that, where it has predictable scheduled hours that they're contracted to be paid every week, Mm -hmm. fortnight or so on, that's part-time. Whereas our casuals is for people that you can call upon for, you know, last minute um, Mm -hmm. a shift, so you know, those sorts of occasions when you need someone to fill in a gap or um, an urgent need. But they're not someone that has predictable hours. Ongoing hours. Yeah. yeah. You can use them that way, but they're certainly not part-time if you're employing them in that casual way. Especially um, a casual also, and I think some employers don't realise this, also has the right to go, no, not available. Yes, they can. Whereas if they're part-time, you've got those hours that they're meant to be there. So the biggest difference between the two is their pay and leave provisions mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So if you think about part-timers, they just get often the same as a full-timer. It's just pro-rated when you think of how much they're working yep. a year. Um, and their leave entitlements, you know, the part-timer will be entitled to annual leave and so on, just That's again, pro-rata. pro-rata. As well, yeah. um, whereas a casual, not always entitled to paid leave. Some of them they are. Um, but annual leave, certainly not. Mm-hmm. And they get that loading on top of their hourly rate mm-hmm. to compensate for that. And we did a whole episode, didn't we, on casual conversion? Sure did, Which yes. is another aspect of employing casuals that you need to be aware of, even yeah. if you're calling them part-time. So listen to that episode if you want to know more about Ooh. what their rights are there. Absolutely. Well, here's a question a listener's asking us, what to do if their employee asks for a pay rise? Well... That's a really good question. Yeah. And at the moment, you know, we're hearing about cost of living. It's very much on people's minds, yeah. interest rates going up. Um, I've been shocked at how much my supermarket shop costs oh, these gosh, days yes. yeah, compared petrol. to a year ago. So it's probably not that uncommon mm. that you'll have people coming to you and asking for a pay rise. So what do you do? I think I'll just backtrack a little bit here. The first thing is to be very clear in your own head about what you're paying them, what level they're at, whether they're getting paid over the award, whether you have any room for movement Mm. on what you want to pay them. So that's one thing. The second thing is to be sure that you're being clear Mm -hmm. and consistent and fair. And that's about having the perception that you're being fair as Mm -hmm. well. In our workplace culture, it doesn't happen that we know what other people are earning generally in Australia. You'd say that's right? Yeah, I'd say that's right. I lived in Sweden for a while 
and there everybody's annual income was published. Oh, right. So it was possible to see what your neighbour was earning. <laughs> so I didn't know how to make a friend, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Kind of interesting because I think the uh, – and, you know, please let me know if I'm wrong. Send us a message and correct me. But I think it was a way of the tax office getting the citizens to report oh. on people who appeared to have more money than they were reporting to the tax office. Oh, so you're dobbing your neighbour. Yeah, oh, that's dear. right. See that new boat they've got? Oh. <laughs> but funnily enough, they're only earning you know, X amount of krona. Right. So <laughs> right, very sneaky. Yeah, so we don't do that in Australia. No, <laughs> no. But rumours do circulate in workplaces sometimes. So that's why I'm saying, you know, it's good to be giving the perception that you're fair. That doesn't answer the question about how how you can handle it when someone asks you for a pay rise. Obviously, the first thing to do is to say, well, why? Yeah. What, you know, what, why do you think you should be entitled to a pay rise? And do we have to give them a pay rise, Susan? Uh, we don't. Mm. And I think you're always going to be weighing up the value of that employee yeah. and how much you need them in yeah. your business. I can think of scenarios where you might be happy to say you're a flat no because you're happy for them to go somewhere else and get more money somewhere else because for whatever reason you don't want to have them hanging around any longer. And that might be business reasons around the cost to your business or it might be other things that they've done in the business and it makes life easier for you if they just (laughs) ease themselves out. But that just reminds me of another point and that is – don't be tempted to pay somebody to match what somebody says they can earn elsewhere or they've been offered oh, elsewhere. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So sometimes that's what will happen is someone thinks they're not getting what they're worth and they'll apply for some job somewhere else down the road mm-hmm. and that job down the road will say, yes, well, we're going to pay you a certain percentage more. Yeah. You know, They offer more than what you're paying your employee comes back to you and says, well, I can get yes. this much more yeah. if I go and work for them, match it and I'll yeah. stay here. And my general advice, because I know what the research is, is don't do it. And the reason being they've already shown that they're dissatisfied. They're ready to walk out the door. It's almost like a threat, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And unless there's a really good reason for you to hang on to that person, they're irreplaceable, then I would not match what they're saying they're going to get somewhere else. Um, that sounds harsh. But I guess it's because we've seen yeah. what can happen. You you made a decision to employ a person at X pay rate mm. when they started because that was the job. So has the job changed over the time oh, you or has definitely the person need to look changed? At that. Yeah. Um, what more are they offering the business? That's right. You know, if there's nothing... Then where's the performance increasing? What What's changed? Yeah. You know? So it's important to put it back onto them to, I hate to say justify, but mm. in, you know, basically it comes down to them being able to tell you why they should be entitled to yeah. a pay rise rather than just paying the increase out of hand because you're scared of losing them or it's scared of having to go through a recruitment campaign like we've just yes. described, you know. <laughs> I was also thinking whether you would match it in sort of some sort of performance oh, structure. Yeah. So you might choose to do one-off bonuses rather than a, a full pay rise. And, you know, looking at things like their productivity and setting KPIs for them and for, yeah. the, for the team across the board. You know, if your business is going really well and it's because your staff have been working really well and really productive, then yeah. by all means give them an increase. Mm. 
So what we're saying might mean that you need to introduce a few more measures into your business. So you may be thinking, well, yeah, business is doing quite well, but how do we link that to actual employee effort and output? Mm. So that can mean, you know, a little bit more analysis on on output, a bit stricter in the uh, performance review process and not just going with, oh, yeah, you know, Joe's a nice guy, he's good to have around, he wants a pay rise, yeah, yeah. just write that off. So talking about pay and pay rise, another question that we had related to that was what's the difference between gross pay and net pay? So I'm going to throw this one to you, Angela, because this is your area of expertise. (laughs) That's a good question. Um, Funny terms, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. And um, look, if we don't know what they are, it's easy to get them confused. Gross pay is the level of pay before you are taxed. Mm -hmm. Um, And the net pay is what's left... After you've been taxed. Okay. Yeah, so th- those terms aren't helpful at all. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-tax, <laughs> before tax or after tax. And where does super fit into that then? Super's always attached separate to that. So, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, your super would be worked off your gross pay. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody's tax situation is different. So you will use a standard tax table depending if you're doing a weekly or a fortnightly or a monthly pay okay. run. But, you know, certain different things can come into it if an employee has... Um, used to be hex debt, what are they called now? Help debt or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. for uni or any other number of things. If they don't want to use the tax-free threshold or, um, you know, whatever, that can change what happens to their net pay. Right. Mm. So you need to know all this before you put someone on, don't you? Yes, and I would caution you to be sure that you're talking about the gross pay. So when you're offering, when you're recruiting, always talk about the gross amount it's very, very hard to go and talk about the net pay because you can't assume you don't know what, what anyone's tax situation is. Yeah. yeah, You don't want to be caught out with trying to honour that if they need to be taxed at a higher rate, for example. Mm-hmm. So how does that relate to single-touch payroll and the changes there? Mm, good question. So single-touch payroll phase two is starting to capture that data. Okay. So it will understand not just what the gross pay is for someone, but how much tax has been taken out and also any of the deductions. And even as far as what sort of pay. So have you paid them one hourly rate for base hours and a different hourly rate for overtime and, you know, a couple of days off for you know, annual leave and, and that sort of thing. They'll get to know intimate details for everyone's payslip. <laughs> oh. Mm. <laughs> we hope you got some helpful answers to some questions you might have been wondering about from today's episode. If you did, we'd really appreciate you sharing it with people you know, but also letting us know, because if this is a useful format, then we're happy to do these Q&A episodes more frequently in future seasons. If this episode's raised some more questions for you, please go to our website, workwanderspodcast.com.au and let us know what those questions are. Thanks for listening to the Work Wonders Podcast. Hit the subscribe button now to never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed today, we'd love you to tell your friends and leave us a review. What are you wondering about? Let us know over at our website, workwonderspodcast.com.au. See you in the next episode.